This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Fionn McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology. We retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 140 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we continue our journey through Welsh mythology with the Mabinogion. This is the second part of our look at the three romances, uh, the three Welsh romances, the Arthurian tales from the Mabinogion. This is the story of Peredir, the Mute Knight. But first, I want to give a very warm welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. Please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard if you have not done so already. Email me at thefiresidebard.com if you're not on social media. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so over at headstuffpodcast.com. The link is in the description. You can join Headstuff Plus, where for as little as €5 Euro a month, although you can pay more if you so choose, you can gain access to not just bonus material for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast network and there are plenty of them there's a brand new episode up it is my interview with mark williams the writer of the incredible ireland's immortals incredibly influential book on this podcast uh, on my change my perspective on irish mythology and just about how Irish mythology has evolved and been excavated and changed over the years. Uh, he's a guy who really, really knew his stuff, and it's a great opportunity for you to see what it's like when I'm actually speaking to someone else and not just recording into a microphone. That is exclusively for listeners of Headstuff Plus, uh, Ireland's Immortals, my interview with Mark Williams, but no hard sell on that otherwise. And the story for this week is... So last week we had the first story of Peredir, the story of uh, Percival of Arthurian romances and the story of the what was the original story of the Holy Grail, although the Holy Grail did not feature in the original Welsh version. We now continue our look uh, of, as I said, these are three Welsh romances and these are three Arthurian tales that hold place in the Mabinogion. I had originally thought that this would be three, the first story I would be splitting into three parts. It has now evolved into four parts because it's just been so incredible and detailed and such a different kind of story structure 
as I said last week, you can really start to see where the oral tradition becomes the literary tradition and the very early seeds of what would eventually become the novel around the time that Victor Hugo was writing with Les Miserables and uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's about that time where like, he didn't invent the novel, but he certainly cemented this new medium and one of the, was one of the, the most important writers to cement what we would associate as the novel today. But back here in the like Middle Ages, when these stories, when these stories of Welsh mythology are being written down for the first time, you start to see the early stages of that. And what we would come to just know as the, the hero's journey and the knight's tale seems to really cement, even though that has been around as long as storytelling has been around, you can really see it cement into what would essentially become the Hollywood movie from, from this point on. But it still has so much raw poetry and the humor and darkness that only mythology can have. I hope you enjoy it. We will chat more afterwards. This is the story of the mute knight on Fireside. The Mute Knight Peredir, son of Ethrog, had been brought into the retinue of King Arthur. The first time the young squire was brought to Camelot, Peredir met a young maiden named Angarad Hlaw Jurog. Peredir thought the girl more beautiful than any other he had encountered. He approached Angarad and said, Lady, I swear to you this day that I love you more than anyone else. And, Angarad replied, By my faith, I swear that I do not and will never love you in return. Peredir, undeterred, said, Well then, I also swear to you that I will not speak to another Christian soul until you love me more than any other man. And Peredir set off to do just that. He came to a round valley. In the depths of the valley, Peredir could see a vast open grave full of bones and skeletons, both human and beast. And at the lip of the valley, Peredir saw the cause of this graveyard. A great lion who was chained to the top of the cliff. The young knight dismounted his horse, armed himself with a lance and shield, and charged at the lion. He struck the beast directly into the jaw, sending him over the cliff. But the lion still hung, chained to the cliff's edge. Peredir took his lance and shattered the chain, sending the lion down to the Valley of Bones and to his death. That night, Peredir came to a castle. Inside, he met a grey-haired man who was larger than any man he had come across. On either side of the giant were his two sons, one of golden hair and one of auburn hair. Then entered two women, one older and one younger. The older woman went and sat beside the great chieftain. The young maiden approached Peredir and took him aside. Young as this woman was, she towered over Peredir, very much her father's daughter. Sir, she said to the knight, it breaks my heart to see you here. For the moment I saw you, I have loved you, and tomorrow I will have to watch you be killed. Why would I be killed? asked Peredir. The lion you slew was the gatekeeper to my father's kingdom, 
As you sit here eating and drinking, a great horde of giants prepares to fight you in the morning. Then, if what you say is true, and you do love me, come to my chamber tonight with armor and weapons so that I may defend myself. I will do that gladly. That night, the giant maiden kept her word and brought Peredir his arms and armor. At dawn, the youth could hear boom-voiced armies outside the castle wall. He armed and prepared to fight. The maiden and her mother approached the grey-haired chieftain. Have mercy on the young knight, they implored, before it is too late. Never will I spare him for slaying my gatekeeping lion. That night, Peredir fought and killed a third of all the giants. The next day, the mother and daughter again went to their husband and father. Please seek a truce with the youth. Never, said the grey-haired chieftain. The next day, Peredir fought the giant's golden-haired son and auburn-haired son. Both fought with a strength according to their size, but both also fell by Peredir's sword. Tearfully, the mother and daughter returned to the chieftain. We begged you to show mercy and to seek peace, and now your sons are dead and your army is in ruins. The giant was full of remorse. I should have listened to you. Now I will seek a truce with Peredir. Peredia agreed to spare the chieftain and his kingdom under the condition that they go to the court of King Arthur and say that they had submitted to Peredir, and also that each of them be baptized. It was agreed, and Peredir had not broken his vow to not speak to any Christian before Angarid had fallen in love with him. Peredir continued to quest and travel, but as he could not speak to most of whom he met, he stopped eating and drinking. He became pale and gaunt, with deep rings beneath his eyes and hollowed cheekbones above a scraggy beard. It was at this time that he became to be known as the Mute Knight. Three of Arthur's other knights were riding out, the benevolent Gwalchmai and Owain, and the surly and confrontational Kai. It was Kai who had berated and insulted Peredir when he had first arrived at Arthur's court, and Kai had felt the sharp end of Peredir's lance through his throat. He should already have been dead, but he had been healed by Arthur's best physician. Now Kai was scarred, but no less angry and no more humble. And when Peredir came riding by the three knights, none of them recognized the emaciated youth. Kai asked him to stop and talk. Peredir recognized his fellow knights, but as he had sworn to not speak to any Christian, he went to keep on riding. Kai would not take such an insult. He drew his sword and charged at Peredir, stabbing the young knight in the thigh. Lest he be forced to break his vow, Peredir kept riding without taking revenge. You should not have done that, said Gwalkmai, scolding Kai. It is bad behaviour to set upon a poor squire just because he could not speak. Gwalkmai returned to court to ask Queen Guinevere for permission to send a physician out to heal the injured youth. But before they could return from this errand, 
Camelot had a more immediate threat. A knight had arrived outside of Arthur's court and demanded to face a worthy opponent. A faceless, nameless knight went out and the rogue knight impaled and slew him. This went on every day for a week, with the rogue knight slaying seven of Arthur's own. Then the king himself said, No more of my own knights will fall on my behalf to this enemy at the gates. Have my armor prepared. Tomorrow I will face him myself. The servants went to fetch Arthur's horse, armor, and weapons, but they were intercepted by Peredir. The knight had heard of his king's troubles, and rather than risk losing Arthur, Peredir rode Arthur's horse and wore the king's armor and weapons and went to fight the rogue knight in Arthur's stead. The next morning, Peredir silently met his foe in battle. With all the spiritual rage at his disposal, Peredir charged at the knight, and with a swift and violent metal-shattering thrust, Peredir defeated and killed the rogue knight. The court had all been watching the bout from the walls of the castle. They knew this man who wore Arthur's armor was not the king himself, but no one knew who he was, because the mute knight would not speak. Then Angarid Claw Hjorog approached Peredir, unaware as she was that he was the one whom had made the vow to her. Sir, she said, I wish you had the ability to speak. I love you more than any other man, and I long to hear you say the same to me. Then, hardly even recognizing the sound of his own voice, Peredir spoke. Lady, my vow is complete. I am called Peredir, and I swore to not speak to any Christian until I had won your love. I was the mute knight, but I will be mute no more. To be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. According to Wikipedia is a podcast that pops the hood of Wikipedia and invites you to take a look inside. Each episode we will talk to someone from the Wikimedia community on topics like why are only 18% of biographies about women? Can editing Wikipedia be a protest or activism? And what is it like for the communities working on the 200 plus Wikipedias that are not in English? Subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and follow us on Twitter at world underscore Wikipedia. And that is the tale of the Mute Knight on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. A shorter tale than the last few. The last good few have been very, very long as I've been trying to cram and condense and to not split the stories unnecessarily. But this saga of Peredir, which I've now split into these four separate parts, they just fell into four very separate stories. And I felt this was very nearly going to be this story and the story after it 
but they didn't go as well together because they're quite separated thematically and they have their similarities as well but it just would have felt like more of a middle chapter than giving them their own beginning middle and end because this story very much starts with Peredir approaching his love and taking this vow that he won't speak until after she will love him in return and then ends when that when that successfully happens when she manages when he manages to fight and defeat this rogue knight in Arthur's stead and no one recognizes him and she loves this unrecognizable figure and goes and and proclaims her love to him and that inadvertently breaks fulfills his vow and he is able to uh, to speak once more so that it's a it's a small chapter that just really had a nice little beginning middle and end that seemed to belong on its own similarly as will be with the next week's episode which is Peredir and the Serpent of the Cairn that very much has its own through line and structure as well and is much uh, ended up being much longer than this and it probably would have been much more condensed if uh, if I had tried to fit them into both this one episode because I've always tried to find the balance you know because I don't want to spread these out so far that I like the idea of this podcast being able to be listened to in isolation even though we've built a chronology to it and I feel there very much is an, an order to how we've done things those that have been listening for a long time will probably agree at least I would I would hope so but I would also like that people could dip in at any point even if it is like a middle chapter such as this is and I do believe that I, be, I would always like to hope that if you listen to this as your first episode of Fireside that you are not lost by not having heard the first part of Peredir but if you have heard that first part that you will find it more enriching recognizing the characters as they as they pop up you know we have just cameos from Kai for example who is very much uh, Peredir's antagonist throughout this entire saga it is Kai who was welcome who welcomed Peredir when he uh, or rather didn't welcome Peredir when he first arrived at Camelot and when the dwarf and the dwarf's wife compliment Peredir having served his father they are berated and beaten by Kai, and then Kai sends Ar- uh, Peredir out on his way, and Peredir makes this vow to not return to Camelot until defeating this tall knight, as he calls Kai. And he ends up doing that when he is dreaming wistfully at the end of his love, for this, this sorceress has taught him about chivalry and about the prospect of love, and Peredia goes into this meditative trance-like state where he won't speak or recognize anyone because he is thinking about this one that he loves who he has not even met yet. And this is when Kai approaches him and Peredia ends up stabbing him in the throat and nearly killing him, but he is nursed back to health because he is one of Arthur's finest. Because we have three knights that have... three knights of the round table who we have uh, met so far in these last two stories... Because, again, if we're going from any of the Arthurian movies we've seen, you know, whether it's The Sword and the Stone, the King Arthur 2004 movie, which actually, with the young Grufford, which I'm actually a bit more of an apologist for, Clive Owen as well, of course. I have, I confess I have not seen either the recent Guy Ritchie one or <laughs> the Transformers movie that is uh, Arthurian for some reason. Maybe if you've seen it out there, you can give me some reason to watch it. 
But just even the very idea of Transformers meets Arthurian romances is so batshit crazy. I kind of love it. Maybe I should give it a go after all. But, uh, and of course, uh, as I mentioned briefly before, the quintessential Arthurian film adaptation, whether it be satirical or otherwise, is of course Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There we meet a lot of these characters, such as Lancelot and Galahad. And these aren't the characters that we meet here. Here we meet Gwalchmai, Owain and Kai, all who do have counterparts in in the Etienne, the uh, Chrétien, the Etienne. Always forget that guy. I still haven't gotten any better at pronouncing that guy's name. Chrétien de Troyes, I hope is that how that's pronounced. Though he is the, the writer who really put the Arthurian romances into words in English. And the, the debate is whether he drew from the Welsh versions or the Welsh drew from his. It seems more likely that the Welsh, these Welsh versions drew from his stories, but that his stories in turn were based on earlier oral mythology. So it sort of all shakes out kind of nicely. But Gwalchmai Chai and Owain all have places in the Detroit versions as well, as very much does this story of Peredir, or Percival, as he is known in the other versions. And they very much take the place. You have Gwalchmai and Owain as very benevolent and very stock, stock honourable, whereas um, Kai represents everything antagonistic and confrontational. They become very much the manifestations. In a similar way to in the Odyssey, Odysseus's crew don't really have faces and names themselves. They just fall into groups that represent different vices, whether it be mutiny, you know, betrayal, any of the, the troubles that encounters Odysseus on his Odyssey home to Ithaca, and many of them are, are turned into pigs and eaten and are lured by the sirens and all of these things that uh, Odysseus tries to prevent through his cunning. He is overpowered by the stupidity and mutiny and betrayal of his crew, but they fall much more into character and personality types than actually characters themselves. And I think Gwalchmai, Owain and Kai are very similar in that regard, that any time good advice is given. So, for example, in this one, we have Gwalchmai telling, chastising Kai for having injured Peredir because it was bad luck to, to injure a knight just because he could not speak. And you have Kai, you have Owain doing the same as Gwalchmai and Kai just doing anything remotely confrontational and he just manifests all his his vices and hatred into this young knight Peredir who has shown such incredible promise and he's the new guy at Arthur's court of course then we have Angaridhlaw Hurog who the lady who isn't particularly fleshed out unfortunately in in this version she appears at the end to rebuke Peredir and then she appears at the end or she appears at the beginning to uh, she appears at the beginning to rebuke Peredir and then she appears at the end to accept his love, thinking he is someone else. To be honest, this is progress. With how problematic some of the plot elements have been, uh, especially towards women in the last few episodes, which I've sort of come to the rationale of that I will, I will take out, I won't include like distractingly problematic 
like toxic elements of these stories but i will always discuss them afterwards because i don't want to sanitize them but i don't want to perpetrate anything either so i think that's the good balance to find and as always i love you guys being part of the discussion thank you for those who message in with your thoughts who email in i always love hearing from every one of you and i will get back to all of you of course and uh, if i have not done so already rest assured i will as i've spoken in good bit in the past this these past couple of months have been very very challenging uh, work and personal life wise and uh, fireside has been with me throughout that but i've tried my utmost to not make it a casualty of that either and hopefully we're we're on the other side of it now i'm now back on top of myself back on head of myself with uh, the scripts for fireside so we should be able to plot and plan uh, towards the three-year anniversary which is coming up in november which is very exciting once we hit 150 episodes it'll be i suppose 156 episodes when we get to the actual two-year mark 156 weeks uh one week after the other is is an incredible thing and i'm very proud of it and thank you all so much for that uh whether that be this be your first episode or your 140th episode listening to it but there'll be plenty of time for more thanks after that. Um, I will... The only other female characters we have in this version, or in this this part of the story, is the maiden and her mother in the giant's castle. Which again, and this is quite a common thing, certainly in Paredia's story, and I'd imagine this is a very knight's tale kind of thing as well, I suppose this is in the Odyssey as well to to compare it, where everywhere Peredir goes, there is a young maiden who has loved him more than anyone else, despite never even having met him. You you almost take the Disney formula one step forward. You know, one of the things that's uh, constantly revised about the fairy tale and later the Disney formula is the idea of love at first sight. Here we have love at foresight. It's love before having even met or even knowing who the person is. In the first part of the story, Peredir is sitting wistfully in this trance-like state, thinking about the woman he loves who he hasn't even met yet. And when we get here, it is the first person whom he meets. But again, this is the nature of the myth and the story. It's swift. You know, we don't have time for any of this. It's once and we're off. And one of the very interesting aspects I've found considering there's a lot of action in these stories there's a lot of sword fights and jewels and monsters the description of the action in certainly in the sources that i use which as always is the oxford world's classics uh, versions of the mabinogion and then the audio version by uh, narrated by matt addis which are very similar in some ways and very different in others and then just have slight similarities for example in the Matt Addis audio version, Peredir is known as the dumb youth. Uh, but I, of course, think the mute knight rings better. In some versions, he st- seems to still be just a squire, which would make more sense with his youth. But then again, he, he has been invited by King Arthur and he's already so accomplished as a fighter that he is already a knight. And I like the idea of him being a young knight going off on his quests and adventures and we have this first test where he is meted by uh he is meted he is met by a lion to a chain and we begin almost these these labors of peredir in an effort to just go out and keep fighting and killing and doing noble and honorable deeds and not speaking to a christian soul 
until he has uh, won the love of his love. Which is strange, uh, but it's naturally, it all works out for him. And there is almost a Wild West element at play here. Because considering to be a knight, you would have to be knighted. You know, you would think that there would be no knights that hadn't been knighted by King Arthur. And yet there are a shocking amount of rogue knights. Peredia faces many in the first part. He faces one here who just shows up at Arthur's. Knight seems to be quite a loose term, like cowboy, you know, where there are good cowboys and then there are bad cowboys or outlaws. And it seems like the just the origin of any of these kind of stories and storytelling is so it doesn't begin here but it has become so solid by this point and it's a solidity that has carried through to today and that's what's very interesting adapting these stories and makes them a lot of fun to to tell as well and the swiftness that i spoke about with the action is that so little time is dedicated to each action partially because there's so many events to to take in, but also because they, they don't seem to be important. Like, he goes and he kills them, and there's very rarely anything saying he, like, a big drawn-out fight, and they hacked and slashed, and all of these descriptions and specificities of each fight. It's just, and Pereira went and killed them, and it's far more about the journey and the the locations and the places he travels to and the peoples he talks to and just how much of that can be fit into each part of the tale because he is so overly powered he is superman he's hercules he's Cullen, he's Fionn mccool he is totally overpowered even as a as a child essentially as a very young youth who was trained by old men and has joined king arthur's court and seemingly cannot be defeated so because of that his it's not as interesting to explore the fights unless he was going to actually nearly lose it's far more interesting to see just the places that this young knight goes and going along for the adventure with him and with that i will wrap things up but i hope you enjoyed the story and the chat of peredir the mute knight next week as i said we will have the story of peredir and the serpent of the cairn let me know what your thoughts were. As always, email or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Follow me over at firesidebard on Instagram. Please join Headstuff Plus if you can. The link is in the description. Five euro a month or pay more if you want. Brand new episode, members only exclusive. My interview with Ireland's Immortals writer, Mark Williams. That is there for you if you so choose to subscribe. I will see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 